Good morning again, church. Um, if you have your Bibles, won't you please open up to John chapter 10, verse 1. We'll be picking up from where Bryce left off last week in the same text um, in the series of I Am. And um, John chapter 10, verse 1 is an awesome uh, part of Scripture. And I would encourage you after the sermon today to meditate on it. Uh, it is a, a scripture for our season and, a, and our cultural moment where we find ourselves in as a church. Um, so I'd love to kick us off by reading from the ESV from verse 1 of John chapter 10. So it's a few verses. It's quite a, a chunky section, but it's necessary for us to get the meat out of it this morning. John chapter 10, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Isn't that wonderful? When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So he has another shot in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, he's being deadly serious. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's very important. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is, a, he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge, this mandate, I have received from my father. And there's an interesting response in verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. 
Many of them said, he has a demon and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Interesting response. Now, friends, this morning, I want to remind you that when Jesus says, I am, in these statements, we have had a few. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. He is, in no subtle ways, asserting his divinity. You must remember, he's rocked up on the scene and he's preaching and he's telling these Jews, who knew that name very well, by the way, that he is God. He is divine, the Almighty One in their midst. And if you remember two chapters before in John chapter 8, they don't know what to do with this Jesus. They think this Jesus, man, he, he's a Samaritan with a demon. They didn't like him very much. They didn't like his preaching. And uh, Jesus said, if anyone keeps my word, you won't see death. And they say, well, what are you talking about, Jesus? I mean, Abraham's died. Could there be anyone greater than Abraham in our heritage? And he said, actually, the one who's standing before you is much greater than him. And at the end of that section of John chapter 8, Jesus says this, John chapter 8, verse 58, he said, Truly, truly, I'm not lying. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And these Jews had no doubt, so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Friends, this Jesus in front of this crowd, he was stating the very God, Yahweh, I am that I am, the God of the Exodus, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is in your midst. The very name that uh, when Moses asked, what shall I tell your people when I go to Egypt? Which God is, is sending me to them? And, and God says, I am that I am. Jesus is saying, that same God is me. I am part of that same God. And in your very midst this morning, as he's preaching, he's saying, I am here. I am that I am. And today we're going to see he is the good shepherd. But they wanted to stone him. They wanted to kill him. They knew exactly what he was saying. Can I just push pause there for a moment? When you hear these words this morning to you, do you recognize the authority by which these words are coming? That this is Jesus, Yahweh. I am that I am. The exact representation of the Godhead speaking to you. You see, unless you see that, you'll be sort of indifferent. Please look at me this morning. There's some movement in the room, but this is very important. If you see Jesus for who he is, you cannot be neutral towards him. You see, it's the sentimental sort of person, the sort of superstitious religious person that sees Jesus and goes, ah, you know, I'll pick him up when I want to. I'll choose him when I need him, but I'll leave him aside and get on with my life. There is no real reaction to the glory of Christ. But friends, what we are after in this series is by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit, you would see Jesus as Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth, speaking to you this morning. And unless you realize that, you'll sort of go, I'll come in here and, and tolerate the sermon, but go back and live exactly how I used to. But these Jews had a reaction. They wanted to stone him. They knew who, what he was saying. And at the end of this text, you will see in John chapter 10 of our reading this morning, there was a division. And what I love about this text is it wasn't, oh, they thought that was such a nice sermon and went home and had their nice chicken for Sunday, whatever they ate, their nice little roast lamb. What they said was, 
again, John reports, it says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Again and again, when Jesus spoke, they recognized they couldn't be neutral. They either loved him, they either accepted him, or they hated him. They wanted nothing to do with him. And I want to say to you this morning, how indifferent are you towards Jesus? You see, I'm, I'm nervous around us, church, of, of relating to Jesus as a way of, yeah, he's around. I've known him through Sunday school, and, you know, I, I pick up the Bible a little bit, but I get on with my own life. I don't really have a strong position of realizing that this Jesus is summoning me to live for him. I'd rather just get on in a sort of nice, calm, and quiet way with him never really rattling me or speaking to me or never really getting at my heart. Friends, that's the kind of person that doesn't really see Jesus for who he is. And can I just, can I just encourage you this morning? Many of us are praying for family members and friends, right, to come to Jesus. If they get offended by him when you share him, not because of your obtuseness, but because of his claims, don't get depressed. God can work with that because they can see that this Jesus, you either love him or you hate him because he's either God or he's not. Amen? He's either the Yahweh, the great I am over this, 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 this earth, this planet earth, or he's just a crazy teacher to be ignored. There is no middle ground. And friends, when, when your friends get upset because of you sharing Jesus with them and saying, this is the Savior, this is the Lord, this is the great I am coming in the flesh to rescue you from your sin. And what you do with him has eternal consequences. When you start to talk like that and they get it, even if they are offended, praise God, because they can see. They can see, this is the great I am. And, he, and, if, and I remember a great preacher, Artie Kendall, saying to his people, don't be, don't be discouraged. You should be discouraged when they can sort of do nothing with Jesus and move on without you sharing it because there's no effect. Friends, if people get angry or if people fall in love with him, it's because they've seen him. It's because they've seen him. And friends, my first point today, the person of this good shepherd, he is altogether unique. You must not let Jesus ever be put on the same shelf of the other gods. He is profound. And as I was reading John chapter 10, verse 11, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This claim of him being a shepherd and what he came to do, it is unique among the gods created by earth or worshipped as in heaven. This person of the Good Shepherd in point one, you must understand he is revolutionary. You know, in the ancient world, you worshipped gods because of their power or because of their pleasure. You think about Zeus with his lightning bolts. You think about Poseidon with his trident, the god of the sea. You think about Artemis, that weird statue, bare breasts with a, a bow and arrow, the hunter. You worship these gods because of the power that they held and the power that they had over your life and what they could do for you. Or it was pleasure. If you think of the Greek god Dionysus, or his Roman, his, his Greek name was Bacchus, or, or Aphrodite, the god of sex and love. Friends, people worshiped the gods in the ancient world for their power and for their permitted pleasure. And for Jesus to say, the God of heaven is nothing like those two things. This God of heaven has come down to serve, to come down and be associated as a shepherd, and to lay down his life for the sheep. You must understand, for the people hearing that message, it was revolutionary. 
that the God of heaven would notice you like that was profound. And uh, Jesus said, in Matthew 20, verse 28, he said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The way the ancients worshipped was, we better make sure we get all these sacrifices. And might I add, the religious Jews were the same. We better get all of our sacrifices in place. We better make sure we have all of these things in line. Because if the God is unhappy with us, we're going to get it, right? We're going to get it. And all of a sudden, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. It is God moving towards humanity, not humanity having to move towards him. It's wonderful. Friends, that a God would describe himself as a shepherd was a joke to those who heard. Do you know that shepherds in Israel were the forgotten ones? They were the ones that were despised. Remember in the story of, of David, <laughs> I was reading it to my kids the other night. There all the brothers are up in line when Samuel comes to see who's going to be the next anointed king. And, and Samuel has to ask, is there anybody else to you? Have you got any more? Any more sons, Jesse? And Jesse goes, oh, yes. David's out there looking after the, the shepherd. Friends, the last born was the shepherd. He wasn't the firstborn. Those who had no prospects who were poor, those who had no culture or education, if, if you were a shepherd after the sheep, friends, you were the one that was not noticed, taken for granted. And the God of heaven, Jesus Christ himself, could say, I am the good shepherd. It's remarkable. It is his humility. It is his willingness to be the one that comes down to become nothing, that he might rescue a people for himself. It was such a humble occupation, and yet Jesus is not ashamed to say, that's what I'm like. And friends, can I just give you a stop for a moment? This was very real for me as well. You know, that the great I am, Jesus, would lay his life down for the kind of animal called a sheep is, is rather hilarious, right? I'll give you a little story. Two weeks ago, we celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary, Marie and I. And uh, I, I feel the same. And um, well done to Marina. <laughs> um, and we got to go to a game reserve. And you know, there in this beautiful, I mean, the rains, it was in Compre area, there's by the Kobusi River, it's beautiful. And because of all the rain, I have never seen such fat buck in my life before. And um, there were these beautiful gazelles, you know, these, these impala. And they, they, I remember, this is just so beautiful. I, I, and the, the, the gorgeous, like, makeup around their eyes. And this, we saw a sable and the impala and the kudu. And, and I was like, if I could choose to be an animal, I wouldn't mind being one of those. So graceful, so beautiful. And on the other side, there was a field at the farm next door. And there were a bunch of sheep, just like, ah, ah. And, and, and I looked at them, they got these ugly long noses. Not one of them is clean. Hey, have you ever seen a sheep that can keep itself clean? They are disgusting. I remember when we got to see, see sheep being shorn and thought to themselves, I hope you wash your hands after taking off that, that pelt. It was disgusting. They, 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 they don't do any tricks. We got a little puppy recently and even already within in, in, in about three months, you can sit, appreciate you when they see you. And your know, sheep are just 
awful. I think to myself, what about, why on earth would Jesus be willing to lay down his life for a stinky, unintelligent, helpless animal that even bites sometimes? I mean, that, that, that's the sort of idea you get. It, it, it's remarkable. Friends, in Scripture, we are not described as gazelles, as these wonderful back. We're described as sheep because they are the perfect description of what you and I are like, right? <laughs> Friends, it is very helpful for us to be reminded that that is our status before God. There is nothing in you this morning that impresses God enough to give life without Jesus. And this, when Jesus, I am the good shepherd, when he says, I've come to lay down my life for the sheep, friends, what he is saying is, I am coming to show extravagant mercy to a kind of people that do not deserve it. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And can I just speak courage to the Christian heart this morning? It's the shepherd's job to get the sheep home safely, right? And today, you are going to get to heaven not because of how good a sheep you are, but how, how great a shepherd you have. So that's the first thing, is the person of the shepherd. It's remarkable that Jesus would say this is the kind of God he is going to be and the kind of people he's going to take notice of and love and serve and rescue. It's wonderful. But then there is something about a sheep which is very special to any other animal. And this is why God wants his people to be like sheep towards his great shepherd. In chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, the second point is the pastor of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. Now remember, the gatekeeper was the shepherd that was on duty to lie in front of this kraal. And um, he's recognized Jesus as a legitimate shepherd. When he comes towards the gate, the person that's lying there recognizes he has a, he has a shepherd whose sheep are in the fold and gets up and lets Jesus come in, right? That's the gatekeeper who opens up for the true shepherd. And it says, the sheep hear his voice, verse 3 of chapter 10, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And what Jesus is using here is a very well-known practice among shepherds in Israel of the time. What they would do is they would build a communal kraal. You all know what a kraal is, right? Uh, a man-made shelter or structure often with thorn bushes, or, or maybe they were wealthy, they had brick, I doubt it was probably acacia thorn uh, trees. And uh, what they would do is all the shepherds in the area, uh, when it was getting dark, would come and lead their sheep into this communal kraal. So you had sheep from Billy and Bob and, and, and Bruce, and um, in they would come, and then one of the shepherds would, would take turns to lie down at night. If it was your shift, you would take it during the night. But then in the morning, this is what would happen. It was very special. The shepherd would come. And he would come to the, the doorkeeper, the gatekeeper, and say, I've come to fetch my sheep. And up the shepherd would get. And he would go, Sheila! Brucey! Maggie! I need some names. Meryl! Up there would come. And do you know that each one of those sheep, as they heard their shepherd call their name, knew exactly that it was their shepherd. They would get up and start walking out. Not a single other sheep would follow that shepherd's voice. They didn't recognize him. Isn't it incredible? And up they would come. And in a line he said, and he would go, yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, 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 yeah. And all the sheep that were his would come trotting out, ready for the day to go and find pasture. And what Jesus is saying, if the reason why you don't want to be a gazelle, the reason why you don't want to be this, this wonderful buck is because they can't be tamed. They refuse to have any control over their lives. And you could see it. We'd be driving in the car to try and chase them. And then see us and they'd go down the one hill. We're going to have, and see us. The, the, the thing about the difference between sheep and, and these beautiful wild animals is that sheep are willing to be submissive. These wild animals aren't. Are you with me? And what God wants from you is not great, wonderful displays of brilliance and intelligence and giftedness and beauty. What he wants is obedience, right? And sheep get to be our model because of their great ability to submit to their shepherds. They trust their shepherd wholeheartedly. Wherever the shepherd goes, the sheep goes. Whatever the shepherd says they must do, the sheep do. But friends, all the other animals in creation don't get the joy of being shepherded because they don't have that one single quality of submission. And can I say today, church, you are not the shepherd. You are a sheep. And a sheep that listens to its shepherd is the model of faith for us. If you want to know what faith looks like in your life, not just a once-off decision of I choose Jesus, but friends, if you want to know what faith is to look like in your life, it is this connection of entrusting your life to a shepherd that wherever he says you go, you go. Whatever he says you do, you do. Wherever he says you stay, you stay. Whatever he requires of you, you are willing. You trust him. Even if before you, I mean, have you ever noticed sheep can never really lift their, their heads up too high? They kind of, when they do, they're so short and stocky. They normally always got their heads down. They trust their shepherd. They know that there is a leader on, over, over their life. And if you want to know whether or not you're walking by faith, you can ask yourself the question today, how submitted am I to the leadership and authority of Christ over my life? And uh, friends, I want to say this morning, if you have rejected Jesus as your shepherd, or perhaps think that you can sort of pick and choose him from time to time, Christian. I want to say just because you are not following Jesus does not mean you are not following anything. You are always a sheep, which means you are always being controlled and led by something if it's not Christ. And today, when we start to unpack this, I want to remind you, what are you being, to ask the question, what are you being controlled by? What is the thing that is leading your life currently? Because if it's not Christ, it's something. Isaiah is clear. All we like sheep have gone astray. And friends, to be human is to follow something. You are not autonomous. You're not able to say, oh, I'm, I control myself. Even that statement, my friend, is being controlled by a, a view, an outlook, a, a, a sort of pride that blinds you. And you can be controlled today by your lust by your selfish ambition, by your greed, by your pride, by your need for acceptance of the people around you, by a postmodern culture that says you have to worship what you feel. Friends, I ask you today, what is leading your life? Is it the news? Is it your fear? Is it your discontentment? 
Is it your need to be in control? Is it your comfort? Is it your sexual appetite? Is it your pride? Your unwillingness to let go of things that grieve the heart of God because of bitterness. Friends, if you examine your life this morning, it is either Christ or something else, and you must be very careful which one leads your life. Because Jesus says there's consequences. And our point of preaching is to call you to Christ because Christ says in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you may have life and life in abundance. But the other option is they're thieves. And I've never saw before, there's a little word there, only. Did you ever see that before? We always say the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But if the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and friends, what you decide to shepherd your life by this morning is going to have dramatic consequences, not only to your life in this life, but in the life to come. And you must choose wisely. You must be careful, because what we tend to do is we tend to think we'll run to Jesus enough so that we can hold on to the other things. Friends, no man can serve two masters. You either have Christ as your shepherd or yourself and something else. And the effects of it is you can either enter into blessing and joy and the wonder of a life ordained by God or resist it. Going after things that rob you of what is yours by right in Jesus Christ. Do you know what that word for abundant means is parison in Greek. It means a superabundance in quantity and a superiority in quality. And I want to ask you this morning, into whose life are you going to entrust your hand? Your, your, into, whose, into whose hands are you going to entrust your life? You know what I love about being with Christians who have lived a long time with Jesus? Is when I observe their life and the fruits of it. It confirms the fact that Christ is the way to live. I have not heard one person, and trust me, I've been through next to a number of sick beds. I've been able to counsel a number of people at the end of their life. I have not heard one person ever say, it was so good to neglect Jesus. It was so good to go my own way. Rather, when we see, when the, the test comes of which life stands, the stress test of, 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 of quality and quantity, friends, the Christian comes out head and tails. Then the life that lives for him or herself. And, and you know, one of the things I, why I'm stressing this point this morning is this is how you live every day. What do you, does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you are a follower of, come louder, that you are a follower of, you follow someone. That means every morning when you get up, you recognize that you are not your boss that you are being led by this person, Jesus. He's your shepherd. And, and just as you received Christ Jesus, Colossians chapter 2 tells us, just as you received Christ Jesus by faith, there was a moment when you realized, my life in my hands is a disaster. Oh, my life in Christ's hands, that is, that's the safest place to be. That's salvation, to be rescued from this sinful self and be given a new life in the hands of Jesus, to be put in him and to receive an everlasting life. That moment of faith, of entrusting your life into another is what you do for the rest of your life until you see him again. Why, why, why am I making such a big deal of this this morning? Friends, the pressure upon you today 
to ignore Jesus is massive. You know, when I was a teenager, I hate saying this because it makes me feel old, but it's true, it was popular to kind of mix Christ with your friends. Nobody batted an eyelid about you saying, I'm off to youth on Friday night. I remember doing devotions in front of the whole grade, and, and, and the majority of the grade saying, yes, 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 yes. It was largely acceptable. Friends, today, to recognize a Christian, yo, to, to have somebody that is, is faithfully resisting the, the advances of culture, resisting their bodily urges, resisting uh, using their money in a way which is kingdom glorifying. Friends, it is becoming rarer and rarer. And I worry that the promise of this culture of saying, make yourself king, but in the end, the cost of it on the other side, it, it is going to lead to spiritual disaster. Sterling, we long for something much better for you. Don't you be like what they are outside. It's an empty promise. And if you are going to be shepherded by this king, your pastor to him every day, is when the pressure of the other voices, the thieves, that come into your life to yield into temptation to sin, to hold on to bitterness, to neglect Christ for other pleasures like screen time and social media and Facebook, all of these things that are invading our headspace, which is there for Christ, we resist. You say, I'm not entrusting my life to these things. I follow Jesus. And I'm not turning back. My life is to live a life that pleases Him. And friends, the third point I have is, uh, is that it is not just you deciding to entrust your life to Jesus, it's a reciprocal process. Is he promises to secure that trust in him with great faithfulness. In point three, it says the personal leading of the good shepherd. Uh, you can see in his life that Jesus as a shepherd is, is, is defining his relationship with you as a sheep. He says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Friends, when Jesus says he will be your good shepherd, what he is saying is he wants to live close to you. He wants to be near you. He wants you to live in a way where he is so close you can hear his voice. That you can know the difference when you hear his voice to everybody else's, that when you walk behind him, you can know him as the faithful shepherd so intimately, so personally, that he even calls your name. He even says to the sheepfold, when, he, he, when you look at the world, he knows your name. He calls you out by name. And friends, this has been something that's been on my heart too. It, it is such a wonder that Jesus, as our good shepherd, would want to be this close in his leadership over our lives. There are two ways that Jesus likes to lead. Well, I've broken it down, but it's, you could say it's, to, it's through his voice in your life and through his personal presence. Now, the last point I made was every day you are deciding who you're going to follow and you must. You must decide today, is Jesus going to be your shepherd or your feelings or your emotions or your culture or your friends or, 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 or social media? You must decide every day. 
But the second point is this is, you must also lean into the way he wants to lead you. You know, as Christians, we don't say you must pray and read your Bible that you might earn some brownie points in heaven. We don't say you must come to church, enjoy communion, be in faithful fellowship. We don't, we, come in, we, don't, we don't say these things so that you might make it into heaven. Friends, that's not why we do these things. Is we recognize today, like a sheep, the sheep is safest when it's closest to its shepherd, Right? Whoa, 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 let's take a step back. Do you believe that as a Christian, your safest place is to be close to your shepherd, Jesus? Do you? Why is it that we give ourselves to reading our Bible and praying, regular fellowship, Regular check on the way that we have these means of grace. You know, uh, uh, it's because we, we know the safest place for us as Christians is to be close to Jesus. And, and I want to share a little testimony. You know, God has a way of, of highlighting competition when it comes to Christ. You know, and it's different for each one of us. We, we, we are prone to stumble in different ways. But what has been refreshing for me is realizing and I'm not entering into some system here that I might get something out of it that hopefully will produce something that I want. My opening up my Bible and deciding whether or not I'm going to watch Netflix or not, whether or not I'm going to pick up my phone and, and, and answer all my WhatsApps, or I'm going to wait 15, 15 minutes or getting up a bit early in the morning. Every time I'm coming to this, I'm understanding that my act of drawing near to Christ is the best and safest place for me to be. So I put down some things so that I might draw near to him. And unless you put down some things in your life, you're not going to have capacity to draw near to Jesus. And, and it was wonderful. As a small group, we, we were discussing something that we had, had learned from, from Michael Eaton, where he says, you, in your life, you do whatever feeds the fire in your life for Jesus. Whatever is, 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 it's like those, those, those priests that in the Old Testament, they had to go to the, the ash stand or the, 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 where they had to burn the, the, the altar, the sacrifice, right, on, before the altar. It would burn down and there would be ash. They had to chuck the ash out. And whatever feeds that sacrifice, that, that fire, that fervency of the Spirit towards Jesus, that's what you build on. That's what you go to. And some things that you can do, you know, you might watch a series that leave you neutral. It's fine. Some series just offend your spirit. Leave it. Sometimes you, you might be doing a, a hobby that's too much and suddenly what was good has moved into something that's a stumbling block. Or, or maybe there's a relationship, a friendship with the codependency. You can just sense this. He's not building my relationship with Christ. Whatever builds your relationship with Jesus and your nearness to him, that you prioritize and give your life to. Amen? We're not just saying, don't do this, don't do that. What I'm asking positively as the Christian faith we are more about what we are to do than what we are not to do. We are to feed our relationship with Christ. And whatever feeds that, whatever makes us close to Him, that is the safest place where we need to be. And that's what we've got to be giving ourselves to, right? And, and in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, it was, I was preparing this morning. Guys, we are not leaving this place into a neutral space towards Jesus. It says the devil is, is, prowls around like a roaring lion. When you leave here, just like the sheep need a shepherd to protect them because they're predators, so do you. And can I ask you today, as a summing up of this third point, 
This is what's on my mind. How far away can you live from Jesus in your life? And for how long? Friends, the way you find life and life in its abundance, it's with Him. A distant people have a damaged faith. Spurgeon says, broken fellowship with Christ equals broken strength. A people that are delighting in their Savior, drawing near to His presence day by day, and even if it's just a posture of the heart to saying, Lord, I put these things down that I might draw close to you. And throughout the day, there's an awareness of me living and walking with Jesus. Those are the kind of people that walk with a sense of peace and love and joy and in abundance. When things hit them, they know that Christ is with them. When they're looking to the future and everybody's stressing them, they know Christ is going to be there. When the past comes up, when they're close to they know Christ has covered that. There are people that are sturdy and firm and full of faith and hope and love, full of the joy of the Lord, full of an abundance of the Spirit, the kind of people that the world looks at and says, what is going on here? That's what we want for you. Friends, we don't want you to be sitting and saying, I've done my hour and a half on Sunday. I've done my hour and two on, on, on small group. And then live the rest of the day time as if Christ is of no existence. Friends, every day of your life, you want to be drawing close to him. And that's the first thing. It's his presence in your life that you are seeking that keeps you in a safe space towards the shepherd. But the second is this. He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you. And I must quickly, the other thing that's on, on my mind is... The question this morning, Sterling, do you know the leadership of the Lord over your life? It's the privilege of the sheep. When he says, my sheep hear my voice, what he is saying is it is, it is his communicated leadership. And some of us might have said, well, I've never heard the voice of the Lord. No, the voice of Christ comes to us in many different ways. And the feeling of his voice, his leadership over your life, is a general sense that he is shepherding you through many different means. I want to ask you this morning, do you know this leadership of your life? You know, God has a way, through all of these various means I've been speaking about, at getting at you. Why is it that we open up our Bibles and read. It's because today, perhaps, he's going to speak. And suddenly, as you're reading, it's not that you hear an audible voice. You go, oh, there's a, there's a scripture here for me. This is sticking out. That, that's for me. Or maybe it's a confirmation of a conversation you had. Or maybe in your prayer time, you hear an audible voice, that, or, or not an audible, an inner voice where, you know, you pray for that person, or watch out for this, or you just sense that there's thoughts coming to you as you pray. You have a sense of conversations, or maybe the, with friends, or a sermon on Sunday, that God's getting your attention. You, you're sensing that maybe it's a, a song on the radio. It's a dangerous thing, but it can happen. Maybe, maybe it's a, a kind of, in your conscience, you, you feel struck by something. All of these various ways, God's getting at you and leading your life. Are you with me? It's not that you're hearing an audible voice every second of the day, but you sense His leadership. You sense that, that Jesus is shepherding you, that you're under the realm of his care and you're in step with him. Friends, you know when you're fighting him. You have no peace. You know when you are flying solo. It's an awful feeling. 
Maturity is learning the distance between drifting from Christ and closing it quicker than the last time. And friends, we are under great pressure this morning. People are running to the four corners of the globe to try and get away from trouble. There is fear in this country around the future. There are fear for our children. There's fear around our work, around our money. The pressure is on. But friends, what I feel the Lord wanting to encourage us in today is will we come under this leadership of Jesus where you are seeking and open to his general leadership and sometimes specific over your life, where you are more committed when the pressure's on to be in step with your shepherd than ever before. My pastor said something very wise to me. I'm almost done. He said this, Matthew, the busier I am, the closer I need to be with Jesus. I'll translate it, the, the, the greater pressure I am under, where I work, where I live, where I play, the more careful I need to draw close to Christ. Because, friends, we believe the safest place for the sheep to be is next to the shepherd, right? It's wisdom. It's wisdom. And, and I want to say my final point, which I'll just brush through, is, is the privileges of faith. Friends, as, as, a, as a sheep, there are some responsibilities you can let go of because it's the job of the shepherd, right? And I want to say, if you want limitless freedom in this room today, if you want to live your life like you please by ignoring Jesus, then you must accept limitless responsibilities. You with me? If you want to live your life as I am God, I do what I want, then you must take on the responsibilities of God for your life. And good luck to you. You are not designed to shepherd your life. It will crush you. And why are we at the rock bottom of well-being as a society? It's because society has believed the lie of postmodernism, which says you alone are enough as an authority, your limited intellect, your limited understanding and even presence on this earth. You are your king. You are your God. But friends, the reason why we are so stressed out, freaked out, uh, uh, burnt out is because if you believe that philosophy that I am the shepherd of my life then you must bear the responsibilities that are actually God's alone and if you will come into Christ today to say Lord Jesus I trust your voice I trust your shepherding I trust the fact that when my yielding to you means I let you get go of a lot of responsibility that I'm not designed to carry as a sheep it leads to such joy which is the right of the Christian church it is the right of the Christian the world does not know any of this because they shepherd themselves but friends for the Christian we are to know the joy of what it means to have a competent shepherd and it comes to in our sense of protection friends if you are in the will of Jesus you can rest in the fullness of his promises. I was speaking to Margie and Brian Russell. He had two and a half years, he could not find work. He said, Matthew, I could not believe how Jesus was so faithful. The second is, is provision. How, how Jesus provided for two and a half years. The money came from, he doesn't know where. But, but Jesus was so faithful. When, when, when we're in trouble, we've got a shepherd to run to. When we need cash, we've got a shepherd to run to. When, we are, when we're needing purpose and direction, we've got a shepherd to run to. And when we're needing the security of peace, we've got a shepherd to rest under. Friends, this is the privilege of being shepherded by Jesus. 
If you reject that, you forego it. But today, as sheep, we know where to go for our help. And what a helper he is. You must choose today who's going to lead your life. I promise you from the word of God, if you choose Christ, you will look back on your life and say, I could not believe it was so abundant. But if you choose to lead yourself, you will find, proven over and over again, the cost, the cost is not worth the pleasure. I'm going to ask us to stand. Let's close our eyes. I want to ask, is there anybody here this morning that has not put their faith in Jesus as their only good shepherd? Are you here this morning skirting around the kingdom, hoping to get God's blessing somehow because you're here, but you do not follow Jesus? Jesus is very clear. Bryce preached a message last week. If you want to get into God's fold, into his kingdom, you must come through the door. And Jesus Christ is the shepherd that you must yield to today. You must bend the knee of your heart and say to Jesus, I choose you. I yield to you. That is faith. I entrust my life to you. This Jesus bled on the cross for your sin that you would not have to. This Jesus rose again as the hope for every person that puts their faith in him. And he is in heaven now. For everyone that believes in this good shepherd, he will shepherd them home to where he is. But that is the privilege of faith in Christ alone, my friend. And you must choose. Today is the day of salvation. You cannot leave this place thinking that there is ample time to decide. We don't know what's going to be waiting for you. And as a church, we are here. We have prayed for you to choose Christ. If you see today, you must respond to Jesus. You tell him, Jesus, I put my faith in you as my good shepherd. I don't want to lead my life anymore. That's repentance. I turn away from this, this me first attitude of thinking I know best. You turn away from it today. You say, I choose Jesus. Forgive me, Lord, for running my own way. I choose this good shepherd. You must respond to him. Will you do that now? And I just have it on my heart. Is there anybody here? that has wandered from making Christ their shepherd in their life as a Christian, as a Christian. You've put your own ideas first. You put your work first. You put your marriage first. You put all these things, all your kids, all these things. You've realized you've built your life upon your own sense of shepherding and the voice of another. Would you come to Jesus this morning and say, I willingly come under your yoke and your staff. I choose you. Lord Jesus, this morning, we don't want to miss out on life and life in abundance. And we're praying, Lord, as a church in our hearts when we leave here, we would be more determined than ever to give ourselves to the one who has proven himself worthy of it. 
Jesus, I pray that we would be like David saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That those who follow you would know steadfast love and faithfulness. Lord, that we would, we would see that the safest place for us to be as a church in these trying times is right close to the shepherd. Make us hungry for your voice. Make us more determined, Lord, to put things right with our time. Lord, whatever is stamping out the fire of a love for you in our lives today, I pray in Jesus' name, you would help us cast it out, get that ash out that the fire might burn by the Spirit. If it's our phones, Lord, if, it, if it's some ungodly relationship, if it's some addiction to overwork or a fear of man, Lord, would you come today? Would you put it on the hearts, our hearts as your people and, Lord, help us lay us down for the glory of Christ. Help us walk by faith today, not by sight, and enter into the blessing of peace, being in step with the Savior who satisfies us with good green pasture, who leads us beside still quiet waters, who restores our soul. Do this for us, we pray, Lord. Make us a people loyal in these days, we ask in your precious name. Amen.